You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. I'm actually going to grab my chapstick real quick. My lips are real bad. <laughs> and your tots. <laughs> oh, I can't. Oh, hang on. <laughs> I just realized... Oh, sorry. I just realized you said, end your tots. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's hilarious. All right, I'm back. I just, I'm sweating because I just filmed a shorts review video. My wife was just talking about your shorts review. <laughs> I, so I don't know how you pronounce this name. You guys might know. Is it Janji or Janji? I say Janji, but I don't know. Okay, I said both. Just in well, case. You must have been going hard if you're sweating after a shorts review. Yeah, well, I do go hard on those videos. I like, I'm jumping and uh, high knees. And then I do, I like power walk. It's really sunny and humid here. So, and I sweat easily. So, um, but yeah, I don't run in them though. Sometimes I do, but I did not in this one. I just got my first pair of John G shorts this year. Do you like them? Or John G. I really do. And I, I stayed away from them for so long because they're so expensive. Oh, I should keep that in mind for the video. And I feel like if all I'm going to do is run and sweat in them, I want the cheapest thing possible. Yeah, I know. But the the expensive ones, that's my issue, is the best ones on the series so far are Lululemon, and they're $68. And I hate that. <laughs> yeah. For my birthday... I, I had a code, and I bought myself a pair of John G's. That was my present to oh, myself. Oh, that was but your present? They're really nice. Yeah, how much are they? Because they sent them for free. Now I need to know. Ooh, I'm going to look. Look at you. Because you, you won't know uh, the women's shorts price. They probably... I, I had the John G AFO 5-inch. I don't know if... Okay. They, they were probably like 50-something, and I probably got them for 40 high. Oh. Which is absurd for a pair of shorts for me, but... Yeah, so the some of these look like they're like forty five, which you know what, compared to sixty eight, I think that's a win. If they don't get swallowed by your legs and they don't cause chafing, right? Forty, fifty, sixty is worth it. I think it's worth it. Yeah. Am I living under a rock here? How come I don't know what these shorts are? Are you serious? They're boutique. Dead they're serious. New. Oh, are they? No, okay. Not very boutique. Well, I. Okay. We are boutique. They, so I, they literally go, there's a, a slit that goes all the way up your hip, basically. Oh, oh the men's Ooh. don't have that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it goes all the way up, so it, they're very flowy and stuff, but you just have to be aware of that. You know, you might not want your butt to show. Or you might. Do they have an under brief or lining? Or yeah, anything? it's like a lining. So it's like you're wearing a bathing suit bottom with like some fabric around it. A little bit. The brief lining on mine, Kirk, is the best uh-huh. male brief lining I've had in a built-in pair of shorts. Usually we cut ours out. Oh. I cut mine out, yeah. That thing's a waste of time. Can you send... You're recording. You should send this to Janji. Janji. Yeah, I will. <laughs> we'll figure out how to say it, and then we'll send it. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're not paying us for our opinions, Aaron. No. They're paying you for No, they're not opinions. paying me either. They just sent me shorts. They were curious what mm. I would think they they should you know lululemon i sold so many of those shorts they don't pay me anything they should i know they should S- screw you lululemon <laughs> that's right <laughs> you, you tell them 
It's going to be the title of this episode. Yeah, yeah, it should be. Oh, I think we're going to get into some better stuff than that. Oh, okay, awesome. Wait. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I, I don't talk to many. I put this in my calendar as the dude bro, dude bro recording. Dude bro. Yeah. That's offensive to me. Oh, is it? Nah, it's not offensive. He's very sensitive. Oh, okay. You have skulls and antlers in the background there. That's very dude bro. But you just have shoes. Cabin. It's the cabin. Oh, it's the cabin. He lives on a lake. Is it dude bro? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, dude bro to me is just any guy that's like a dude. So like all dudes. Yeah, <laughs> but there's some like my husband. I he would get he gets offended that I call him a dude bro. Mm-hmm. He's very just like a a man dude guy. But there's other guys that are uh, not like man dudes. They're they don't like man dude things. What do they? What do you call them? Guys, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Cut so this. Totally Cut this. <laughs> If you were building, let's say you're a profiler okay. for the FBI, and you're building out the attribute profile of a man-dude bro, yeah, what would that entail? Okay, that would entail um, outdoors, can probably survive if they had to. They might not like enjoy survival stuff, but they could. Okay. Um, they don't mind like sweat and dirt and stuff, and they their hobbies entail most of that stuff and beer in there too like okay some beer <laughs> and and sports maybe <laughs> i think bracken's dying out in the wilderness by the way so he might just be a man dude no are you a man dude bro guy i, I picture like a flipped up visor and a yard beer and oh. cargo shorts like oh right 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 oh those are just bras they're just bra okay yeah as long as that's not me i can accept a dude bro if i need dude bro to. man guy all right that'll be my new instagram identifier <laughs> everybody will know exactly what that means yeah what well, um aaron hello, hello by the way this is aaron a- is it azar azar yep aaron azar well we know austin azar who's that well exactly you guys aren't related your cousin or something oh. well it's my so my husband's fan i mean azar is like smith basically to white people Interesting. It is. I know one Azar, now two. It's very common. And like a lot of people that I meet for the first time, they're like, oh, do you know so-and-so Azar? And I'm like, no, there's so many Azars. Where? Maybe it's just where we are. <laughs> I don't think so, though. They're all over. There's so many Azars. I think the some person on, in term, like for health in the government is Azar. Hmm. Well, our Azar is in Canada. Oh, okay. So they are all over. I'm in Pennsylvania. Mm. Lots of Azars in Pennsylvania. Where in Pennsylvania are you? Um, like near Allentown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We have some races out that way. Oh yeah, there's um and in Reading there's like a big mountain bike scene. There's like some pro downhill races there. Um it's funny, like I there is an ice cream truck up here. This this old guy, my kids are obsessed with going to this ice cream truck at the beach. And he, I started a conversation with him, and he's like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, Pennsylvania. And he's like, oh, yeah, what part? And I'm like, near Allentown. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that mean? Do you know, am I, say, am I talking like Allentown or something? Like he knew something I didn't. It means he had no idea is what it I meant. guess, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have family out there. Oh, okay. 
Aaron, I want you to tell our audience who you are and why you're on our podcast today. I want to see what what you have to say about that. And then I'll introduce you properly. But Aaron, Aaron Azar, who are you and why are you on our podcast? I am, I guess you could call me a uh, running content creator, but um, I am not like the typical running person that you would see online, I guess. I have, um, I'm a mom of three, I'm in my 30s, I really struggle run, like that's what I call it, I basically struggle run, no run is easy for me. But I started at a mile um, a little while after I had my third baby. So that was a few years ago, and I, um, in that first year, I worked up to a marathon, very slow marathon, which angers some people, which we can get into later if you want. Um, <laughs> we will want to. <laughs> yeah, so I ran it very slow, and um, but it was virtual because that was during COVID, obviously. Everything was shut down, um, and then I ran the New York City Marathon last year, and this year I'm training for Chicago, but... Um, I think if people follow me, it's mainly just for relatability and um, just like a lack of seriousness around running. So I think that's why even like some professional runners follow me just for a little comedic relief and like commiseration that even if you're professional and you're fast, you can still have really crap days. So you represent the crap days? Is that what you're telling? I very much represent crap days, and I'm very proud of that. <laughs> well, I had an – so we coach. Uh, Bracken and I both coach for a living. Um, and I had one of my athletes send me a clip of you, and this was like three weeks ago. I had never come across your page before. I'm sure a lot of people find you this way. Mm-hmm. And they just said, like, this was me on my run today. Uh-huh. And I watched that clip of you like five times (laughs) and it's hard to hold anybody's attention on social media these days, right? We just flip through and I was like, who is this woman? And then I look and you got like a blue check mark and 170,000 followers. Uh And I was like, Jesus crime. And he was like, and instantly I messaged you. I didn't even hesitate. I was like, (laughs) I got to talk to her just because you were purely entertaining. And I loved everything that was represented. Then I wasted a bunch of time looking at all your crap. Yeah, it is crap. Which some people do. (laughs) And and here we are. That was that simple. One of my athletes sent me a video of you on a struggle run. Okay. And I was like, we got we got to talk to her. See, and that's how this came to be. I love that you've said that because I and I kind of tried to ask that in the DM, but I'm like, what? How? Because so I know my audience demographics. You can see that on Instagram. You know, like in your analytics, I know it's ninety four to not, like ninety three ninety four percent women. Mine too. Oh, oh, okay. Yours too. For very different reasons. Yeah, very different reasons. Um, So um, when you messaged me, that's why I said, what do you want your audience to get out of having me on the podcast? Because um, that's interesting to know, though, that your uh, audience is also women. Um, But yeah, so that's interesting (laughs) that one of your athletes actually sent you a clip, and that's how you found me. Because I'm like, there's no way you're watching... You're, you're opening up Instagram and going to Mrs. Space Cadet's um, Instagram page. <laughs> or you are. Now they have my algorithm down because I had spent time on your page, and now I'm getting uh, a lot of female content create, creator <laughs> okay. runners shoved down my throat. So thank you for that. You're welcome. It's a, it's a good world. My wife laughed when she when we, <laughs> I told her who we were going to interview uh-huh. because I am not a social media person. Right. 
it generally eats at me when I watch people who are quote unquote content creators. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are fantastic, but the, yes. the vast majority are really, really into themselves. Yes. Um, which might be hypocritical for me. But I said, no, actually, I'm super interested in, in this conversation because of what she replied when we reached out. The stereotypical content creator would have been like, mm -hmm. if I have time or, yeah, what do you what do you want from me? What do I get or whatever? And yours, yours was, sure, I'll do it. And then 24 hours later, wait, are you sure you want to talk to me? <laughs> like, it was the most humble, real reply to someone who realized I'm going on a running podcast and it was very self-aware and it's exactly yeah. why we wanted you on because like the name is the running public but mm -hmm. often we veer towards the running runners right right or right the running sub elite or the the running super serious yeah but the public name is in there intentionally and we do want to stay grounded to that well in all, in in all honesty the reason it was 24 hours later is because i got a chance to listen to the podcast then and I was, and you guys were talking about like legit running things. I know you're both coaches, but like um, actual um, strategy and um, not injuries, but like things like workouts and uh, all that stuff. And I don't know a lot of that. All I know is what like works for me. So I'm mm -hmm. like, what exactly can I help you with? <laughs> Did you listen to Training Tuesday or a a long our our weekend long run where we interview a person? It was a some of Training Tuesday and then also your interview with I can't remember her name, um, which didn't help me with my imposter syndrome. Oh, Danny it was someone. Marino, it would have been. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so Kirk, I'm sure can explain this deeper, but okay. Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> Danny Moreno was we would consider an outlier interview. Okay, that's the one I heard. <laughs> Usually we spend probably 70% of the time talking about everything that led up to finding sport. Oh, okay. But she was preparing for a professional high-level biggest race of her life, and so it uh -huh. ended up being 70% like the mindset and strategy of a pro runner. Yes. So it was maybe the worst interview you could have listened to. I should have Despite the fact that more. she's great. Yeah. It was oh. not indicative of the stereotypical how yes. we talk to people. It was a great interview. I just felt like you guys might have been a little mistaken about who I was. That's all. <laughs> she was the pointy end of our spectrum. Yeah. Okay. Well, I love that. That's good, too. What does that make, Aaron, if you're saying she's the pointy end of our spectrum, Bracken? What are you trying to... <laughs> well, if you look at the bell curve of life, you have professionals, you have dunces, and you have in the middle everyone else. That's fair. Here, and Aaron relates to everyone else other than... Well, yeah. maybe everyone. You say you have pro runners to follow. I will say, um, when I w went to the Boston Marathon to just um, watch, they um, I never experienced that, like even as a spectator or anything. So I went to Boston this past um, April, and there's there was a 5K the day before the marathon, which I love. So that's like my audience. I knew I was going to – like people – would probably follow someone like me there. I didn't realize how many people actually would know who I was there, but Kira D'Amato was running that 5K, and I was up on a fence, like this pointy fence, trying to film 
um, my friend who was running her very first 5K. I was almost in tears. I was like so excited for her because it's like a big deal that someone's very, very, very first race. And I was going to get to try and like film her going to the start line. And all of a sudden I see Kira D'Amato and I was like, oh my God. And I just yelled, Kira, I love you. And she freaked out when she saw me, pointed at me, and she's like, wait a second, I'm obsessed with you. Ran over, <laughs> and we talked, like, behind this fence, and I had no idea she even followed me. But she was like, your, you know, videos, when you, um, she's like, I know you're being funny, and I, I, you know, but you say really relatable things that I think about in my workouts, too. And I just stood there, like, with my mouth open, like... My hands were shaking. I didn't even know what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the odds that that would happen? Um, so, yeah, that to me is shows that, like, I can... There's a lot of pro runners and, like, really serious runners that I think don't even want to see my face if I would come across them. They're like, she's not serious enough. But I think a lot of them are do have a sense of humor about it. And they are like, man, I, I hate when it's, like, that humid and I you know, couldn't find my hydration or something dumb that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's just like a little respite from the seriousness of things. The great thing about runners, well, maybe not the great thing, but a thing about runners is that the vast <laughs> majority of us that were lifelong runners started mm-hmm. as nerds in some capacity. Yeah, I did notice that. So when you, <laughs> even when you become a pro, which well, Kirk and I aren't pros, but when like the pros become the the icons they're still a nerd at heart and they either embrace it or they get really standoffish like no i'm not i'm a pro now oh okay so the ones who don't want anything to do with you are really just trying to cover the fact that that was them for a long time yeah but the rest of them are going to be like that's fantastic right right back in high school they they were the (laughs) ones in band they were the ones without a football letter jacket and yeah at heart that's kind of who most of them still are yeah, like they don't want the the they don't want like a normal person to be in it because they were like an outcast for so long kind of thing. Many of them, yeah. Okay. I remember looking at we went to a small school and I I just realized that there's cross country and then there's track. I at our school they were the same thing. And I hope that doesn't anger people, but <laughs> What does that mean they were the same thing? Yeah, like we the same people. We didn't have like a track team and a cross country team. I don't even know if we had a track team, actually. Did you ever run around a, an oval that was about 400 meters uh, in length? Uh, you're asking me? I don't. I never ran in my life, except the gym class mile. I would just see mm. our cross-country team running, and I always thought that they were really, like, masochist or something. Like, they just liked punishing themselves or punishment. Um, but, yeah, now I think I get it. I don't really know. My lips hurt real bad. there's a napoleon reference twice now what's your chapstick brand of choice actually here's another running thing i think tannery tannery the sunscreen Mm. yeah i don't know if you guys use that this is the citrus mint lip balm and it's spf 15 works like a charm I find the more I use lip balm, the more I use lip balm. So I stay Not away. Not this stuff, though. It's just addicting. That's like Blistex. No, even Burt's Bees gets me. Burt's Bees is bad, too. you got to use Tannery. All right. Tannery, a... sponsor me. <laughs> I, so, so riddle me this, Aaron. You, this is, I mean, not perplexing, but a very strong curiosity. 
Mm-hmm. You uh, didn't run, it sounds like, until you got this wild hair during COVID. Let's call it 2020, I'm guessing. So maybe two, yep. two and a half years ago. Yeah, yeah. And And between then and now, you went, I assume, as non-identified as a runner um, mm-hmm. or a relatable runner, we'll call it, to mm-hmm. like being somebody that people, I'm going to say look up to. I even look up to you in uh, many ways with the way you, you approach this. Um how does that happen so quickly? How does Aaron Azar go from, let's say, non-existent in the running world to like very, very, uh, we'll call it relevant because uh, you have some notoriety all of a sudden? What happened in two and a half years? I, you know, I think when I started running, it was out of like desperation, mainly for like mental health. So I, I, you know, had a baby. So of course I'm like, oh, I kind of want to like lose this extra weight just because I wanted to feel healthy again. And to me, it was just like, I felt tired all the time. I felt like just crap. And then that affects your mental health. So I was just like, I'm going to run a mile every day for a month. I literally didn't care who knew I was doing it or not. Um, But in that uh, month, I started to second guess myself. I didn't understand how to run. I didn't realize that you shouldn't run with holes in your shoes. My sneakers had holes in them because they were so old. Um, and I started to want to reach out to people, um, but I didn't really know how. So I thought that if I posted a video on TikTok, because what I heard at that time is on TikTok, it'll push any video you post to somebody's for you page. So I thought, you know what, I'll just make this video that I think is funny about me not being able to run. And I guarantee I will find like a couple mom friends who are also trying to run and like kind of struggling, I didn't realize that they would go viral. So one of the first um, TikTok running videos I posted went viral in like five hours, it was over a million views. And I I was scared because I'm like, there's gonna be all these teenagers bullying me on here. You know, I'm like this mom of three who's posting on TikTok, like what am I doing? But um, the comments were very telling on that video because they were all like, finally, someone is that looks like me is posting how they run. Or finally, it's someone that doesn't look like an Olympian. Or finally this, finally that. And I was like, wow, nobody is doing this. Or no one's doing it in a way that's keeping people's attention and, want, and making them want to follow along. So that was the difference there. I think it was just literally not caring what anyone thought. My husband says I was born without the humility gene. Like I just don't get embarrassed. So that was pre-existing. That's not an act. No, it was pre-existing. I've been embarrassing him for, I think 12 years or 11 years now, um, officially. And so he's used to it at this point. Like he doesn't bat an eye when I say, Hey, hold my phone. I'm going to see if these shorts ride up my crotch in the middle of this, like road here with other people on it like he's like all right here we go um but yeah so i think it was just like the hundred percent putting myself out there and people seeing themselves in my vid excuse me my videos i think that's what had a lot to do with it but i just kept being persistent with it and giving them you know i said i want to run a marathon um that was something that they wanted to see if i could do I think because they kind of wanted to know if they could do it, you know, so um, that keeps people following along. And now I just take them on whatever I do. Like 
It could be a run. It could be trying out shorts. It could be a disaster cooking video, um, you know, or traveling to Boston or anything like that. And I think it's just, I'm not trying to be anyone else. I'm just being myself. And I think that's why it grew. And then the today, you know, the today show and all those things happened because the New York what, Times, what things? the, the today show, well, I don't know about this. Yeah, you didn't scroll back far enough. Maybe, or you know Must what? Uh, I like, here's the imposter syndrome again. If I'm on something like that, I'll kind of post like a little thing about it. And then I don't talk about it. Cause I feel like that's annoying to people. So I don't do it. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so what happened was in September and, um, Someone wrote in the New York Times, like an article about me. They had interviewed me over the summer and I thought, oh, it'll be one of those little um, blurbs on the side of the, uh, I don't know, editorial things, Mm -hmm. like how you have the little columns on the side and it's like a paragraph. I was like, that's cool. Technically I could say I'm in the New York Times. Well, it turns out it was this whole huge article in the sports section of the New York Times, which set me into an imposter syndrome spiral. And right after that came out, the Today Show wanted me on, which had to be remote. Um, And we had so much fun in that interview that they had me in the studio the morning after the New York City Marathon, Hmm. which was completely insane. Oh, my goodness. So I think a lot of that also was escalated by that type of presence. And I host a Red Bull podcast about running. We're going to start the second season. So I think I found some people through that. And um, also, just like you found me, someone sent you a clip and was like, this was me. Mm-hmm. That was a very long-winded answer to your question. We like long-winded answers. Oh, okay. We do. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. All right. So early on, you said, and some people got really mad at that in reference to, I ran a slow marathon. And I yeah. didn't understand it. And I think I do now. Runners are really, really unable to handle if people receive shoes, money, notoriety, and they mm-hmm. are not faster than the person that is judging them. Right. There's this belief mm-hmm. that if I'm fast, I deserve a contract, mm-hmm. not if I provide value to people. Because running fast is inherently valueless. And that's coming from someone who makes a living coaching people to try to improve their fitness in some way, shape, or form. Yes. So... You had your imposter syndrome. How bad did things blow up when you became famous for not running fast? Right. I don't think I get a lot of um, like hate for that in terms of my comments and things like that. I just assume, and I could be projecting this, but I assume that it probably irritates some people. But when it comes down to it, a brand doesn't care if somebody runs fast because you're not selling shoes or you're not selling whatever it is, shorts, Mm -hmm. I don't really know. Um, But they will value if like someone relatable to women, which women are, you know, do make up the largest market in running shoes and apparel. Uh, You could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I heard that recently. It's women and then me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Judging by your shoe wall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, so that's valuable to brands. So obviously they'll want to send me something to show to my audience. That person that's running really fast, um, I think 
you know, if they get signed, should make a lot of more money than athletes make. Um, but that's not up to, that's not my problem that the, that brand isn't sponsoring that athlete. I would never be sponsored for running fast. Mm-hmm. I'm only, you know, sponsored to um, show people shoes that maybe they didn't know about. Like I just recently um, found ultras um, like a few months ago, or I guess longer than a few months ago. But when I was having some foot pain, um, I noticed that like even wide shoes make my, uh, they're just not wide enough, I guess is the word. But um, I tried ultras and now all my toes can be like flat on the shoe. They all have their own little Mm -hmm. room. Um, That's something I wanted to show to my audience because every time I complain about shoes not being wide enough, there's so many other people in my comments that are like, yes, I buy wide and they're still not wide. Um, Also, a lot of them are moms. And when you're pregnant, your feet get flatter and wider. Um, So I like bringing value to my audience like through sponsorships like that mm-hmm. and sometimes i'm not even sponsored i just really want them to know something <laughs> that's kind of the best way isn't it right and then when you like any of my sponsorships i've gotten it's been like i've organically posted about them because mm-hmm. i like it and then suddenly they notice and they say hey yeah hey Aaron. yeah how much do you like our socks Aaron? right <laughs> what does what possesses a woman to now i'm assuming a lot here but mm-hmm. um what possesses a woman to start running? Uh, and I'm assuming you started running two and a half years ago, like, and you hadn't, you hadn't prior, uh, based on a few things you said. Is that correct? Like, what? Yeah. What possessed that? Like, yeah. Why are you yeah. running? Yeah, you've recreated an identity in two and a half years. Right. Right. That's incredible. It's so funny because in like I re- I vividly remember the first time I had to run a mile in elementary school, and it was like I think it scarred me. It was so difficult. And it's, you know, I was a super active kid. I never watched TV. I was always climbing trees. I could do tons of pull-ups and I was constantly running and swimming and everything. But running was like the, a distance, you know, that wasn't a sprint was really difficult. So I carried that through and even like playing sports, running was the punishment. So um, if you were late or if you talked too much or if you lost a game you shouldn't have lost, okay, go run. And it was never like, hey, let's run um, because it's good for your heart at this pace and this heart rate. And let's run because it makes you de-stress. Like if you have a lot of homework or whatever it is, um, that was never like put into my vocabulary or my thoughts. Um, and so at this point, after having my third baby, running was literally the only thing I could do. We live in rural Pennsylvania. It's 30 minutes um, to anything really so 30 minutes to a gym that's probably not even that good so a gym was kind of out that's an hour back and forth um for what i don't even know what to do at a gym um and but there's we we live on you know not a populated not a heavily trafficked road so i thought if i just run um it's free kind of not anymore but it's free for a little bit and I can just walk out of my house real quick without scheduling anything because with three kids that are, um, you know, eight and under, you cannot schedule like a workout class or even a run with friends. I can't even schedule that. So it's whenever I have a free moment to jot out the door, the only thing I could really do is running. 
Why didn't I choose walking? Because walking is boring to me, to my mm -hmm. brain. That's it. <laughs> so you were a non-exerciser. Mm-hmm. For like 10 years. For 10 years and then mm -hmm. jumped into this. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Um, one, like I, I ask my athletes and often my clients and I say, why now? Like, why didn't you reach out to me a year ago? Why mm -hmm. didn't you reach out to me a year from now? Like, yeah. why now? Like, why now? Put yourself two and a half years back. Why then? Yeah. Well, I guess that would answer the question of finding their why, right? So me finding my why was um desperation in terms of i needed something to help with anxiety and um like just the overwhelmingness of motherhood i was working from home before working from home was cool during covid i worked from home like before the pandemic so um i you know was i didn't have maternity leave either so there's a lot of stuff going on that kind of led to that so i had a my third baby was my first c-section and i was laying in bed after that c-section and i had my laptop out or getting back to emails that's not healthy um unfortunately a lot of women do go through that in our country but um so that was like when you think about my mental state i wasn't even fully like healing um before i'm worrying about somebody else that really doesn't should not matter to me when I just had a baby and I'm you know healing um, and the baby it needs constant attention and I have two older kids like so if you can imagine how cluttered my mind was and like um, just physically not feeling well I think it all like culminated into that one day where it's like all right it's kind of nice out I need fresh air and I need to like um, get blood flowing in my body or I'm gonna lose it. That was my why and that is still my why. Like I I can't even believe I'm saying this. I sprained my toe in the freaking ocean a couple weeks ago, okay? I ran this whole time never even hurting myself at all, doing really dumb things running too, and I end up spraining my toe. Um, but so not being able to run, I feel it again a little mm -hmm. bit. Granted, I don't have that um, stressful job that I had at that time. My kids are a little older now. It's not as um, present, but I do feel it. I see people out running or working out, and I'm like, oh, I want that struggle feeling and misery. And then afterward, you're in your nice shower, new clothes, and you just feel calm the whole day. Like, I thrive on that. I need that to survive. This is reminding me a bit of Lisa's interview. Mm -hmm. themes here you didn't i know you didn't go back but my wife we after about a year and a half of this i finally convinced her to come on here and talk oh wow i'm gonna have to listen we have a relationship i do not coach her because uh -huh. she does not train she okay. runs <laughs> as she feels for to get rid of anxiety and to yeah. be at peace mentally like i am not allowed to coach her i love that she goes out every day and says <laughs> All right, I'm going between four and twelve. Yeah, you know, no yeah. plan. Whenever it happens, but it's hearing you talk. It's the we have three children, and she stays oh, at home. Yeah. As a mom. you know that all those oh, yeah. themes that just exist everywhere right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it can be rough, and I think a lot of people. The reason I keep going, and the reason I'm so open about my journey is, I know a lot of people could get this 
you know, like uh, relief and this like mental health type benefit. But um, even from like walking fast, depending on where their abilities are at the moment, but they are scared of how they look and how uh, and then other people seeing them and going into a shoe store and having that, you know, cross country kid that knows everything and looks at them like, why do you need sneaker? Why do you need running shoes? Mm -hmm. They're intimidated Mm -hmm. and they're not going to get started um, with those like preconceptions. I don't want to say misconceptions because, you know, the running shoe stores are a little intimidating. But um, I so I'm like putting myself out there showing like, hey, I have crotch sweater pee when I run and, you know, or my shorts right up my thighs or wow, look at this chafing that I got in my armpit. Like those type of things make people feel a little more comfortable getting out there themselves. So I feel like there is a lot of importance in terms of like, yes, athlete, like professional athletes, a hundred percent are super motivating and we all like to watch them and see what they can do and, and everything. But there's also a, a spot where you need to carve out to um, have people like myself that can actually take people that are not active at all and say like, hey, I'm making a fool out of myself too. Get out there, put on some hot pink pants and go for a little walk or a little jog, you know? So I think there's a benefit in, in both worlds. It's like a spectrum. I uh, I hope you take this as intended as a compliment. Um <laughs> <laughs> Always a good way to start a sentence. When I so Bracken and I are somewhat accomplished athletes, but there are many levels to running, as you have learned, mm-hmm. right? Um, and when I follow the pros, the ones who are paid by Nike, the sponsored athletes, you know what it does? Yes, it is inspiring. I agree with you, but it also makes me feel like shit about myself, <laughs> right? In micro doses, it does. I'm yeah. like, well, no matter if I do everything perfectly, I I'm never gonna run thirteen fifty in a five k. Yeah, I'm not. And you know what you do. You make me feel good about myself. I don't take that. I do take that as a compliment. I I want to say I do take that as a compliment. <laughs> and and I say that in the most endearing way. Like I yeah. will go to your page 10 out of 10 times because yes. I feel good when I watch it. Yeah. And that that's And, and that's coming from uh, I I consider myself an athlete. Yeah. Uh, like a, an accomplished athlete and I feel good when I watch you for a lot of reasons. So I want to pay you that compliment. And I think that's the big difference, mm-hmm. right? Like you're going to, what percent of the population is, uh, you know, a top end elite runner bracket? What do you think? 0.0001? Yeah, there's there's decimal places before the one. <laughs> and then what percentage of athletes are in our category bracket? One? one maybe two. not even? I would say one, maybe. And then how many are in uh, in Space Cadets category? 100%. <laughs> 98%. So the relatability there I gravitate towards. Point yeah. Two. And, and it sounds egotistical to say we're in the top 1%, but it just like if you look well, on athletics, no. that's what the numbers yeah. would say. But the interesting thing is that we are closer to the everyman runner's times than we are to the pro times. Mm-hmm. Like we might even have made it by running college track and cross country to the 1%, but we are light years away from ever even sniffing a Nike contract. And so sometimes the people that think – they are serious about running need that that welcome dose of it's okay yeah <laughs> we couldn't even physically make our bodies look if we wanted to like it's just mm-hmm. not in the cards we are yeah. closer to you than we are to the olympians yeah and so you know sometimes it's genetics 
sometimes it's life circumstances. Sometimes people have to work like three jobs and they physically cannot have time to run 20 miles, mm-hmm. you know? So everyone's different. And I think a lot of people also, I've gotten so many messages and comments um, from mainly women who say, I stopped running because I got too down on myself that I couldn't get faster or I, or I used to be like a D1 athlete and I stopped running because it was too much pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and now 10 years later, they want to get back into it because they're seeing the benefits of just an everyday runner. Um, so yeah, there's, there's so much importance to even, um, you know, really good runners sharing those stories. I follow, you know, some, um, people, professional runners, like even Molly Seidel on Instagram, she is Mm -hmm. so open about everything. And like, even when she dropped out of Boston, like she wrote a very like lengthy post and about her, how she felt and how frustrated and, and all that stuff. Like to me, I will never qualify for Boston, nor do I want to try to get myself to qualify. That sounds so stressful to me. I would no longer like running, but I can still appreciate someone like that at that level sharing how anyone would feel if they had to drop out of a race. Like that's so disappointing, but I think sometimes they just don't seem human because they're not sharing those mm-hmm. like vulnerable moments. Yeah, she recently made a post about she can't go to world championships and she yeah. couldn't come to because she couldn't get a TUE, which is a therapeutic use exemption for people non familiar with the terminology. It basically means uh, you get a medical professional's permission to mm-hmm. use a banned substance, and they say why, and then the the anti doping agency has to approve that therapeutic use exemption. Hers okay. is for, I believe. ADHD she, as she's working with, with her mental health and yeah, whatever yeah. she's taking is a banned substance because it can be performance enhancing in a mental capacity during competition but there are millions of athletes who have this TUE and hers has not been approved yet so she didn't race and she talked openly about it you look back even just five years was mm-hmm. was there ever going to be a post like that from a pro athlete saying hey I'm going to skip world championships because I value, you know, my chemical balance in my brain and I'm not legally able to take it. So I'm not going to, but I won't be there. Yeah. I, so I did read that post. And the first thing that I thought, well, aside from like, wow, I love how open she is because imagine how many other people are going through something like that. But also, can't they hurry that up? I mean, they can. She's very high profile She is, um, and like you said, it's a lot of athletes have those. I'm I'm not sure for like, maybe it's all the same thing or all different things, but if so many athletes have them, why can't they just hurry hers up a little bit? They have to sign some papers. I don't get it. (laughs) There's a dark side to athletics. Athletics Mm -hmm. is the European and rest of the world term for track and field. Oh, okay. The dark side to athletics is that it is every bit as political and money-driven as Mm. anything else on this planet. The Nike Oregon Project was the premier professional distance running program in America. The main doctor associated with them and their head coach has since been banned for life for 
gray area and non-gray area uh, doping work. But they had a therapeutic use exemption for almost every single athlete on their roster for thyroid medication. Why? And asthma. Yeah, and asthma. What are the chances that every single professional athlete that came to them had thyroid issues, regulatory issues, and asthma? And what do those what do those medicines do? Like, well, yeah, the asthma is like, well, I've been on them. It's just like a, it's an inhaled corticosteroid, so it reduces all inflammation in your lungs, which makes them more open. Oh, which okay. makes them able to absorb more oxygen, um, for example. But it's legal; it's still legal. Yeah. Okay. And, and then, then I don't know about the other one. Thyroid medication. I talked to a doctor one time who said outside of anabolic steroids, EPO, HGH, thyroid medication is probably the next most powerful endurance enhancing substance out there. Wow. And he didn't get into the why. It was just when you see these overprescribed, there's a reason. So the fact that Nike, who is the biggest money pit or funding, whichever way you want to look at it in Uh the sport, got a TUE for every athlete on their roster. But Molly's with Puma, which is a small team, and she doesn't uh-huh. have the big agent and the big pull. The fact that she's taking months to get this approved and Nike just had it behind closed doors for years means that they could help someone like Molly, and they don't really have a reason to. And that's Ooh. terrible. I, I'm starting a petition. Then I'll really get <laughs> That just, yeah, it, didn't see, it just didn't seem right. I mean, I don't know. I didn't even know what thyroid medication did, but... I, and I, oh, it's raining. Squirrel. Um, (laughs) Do you need to shut windows? Are you good? I think it's, I think it's good. It's just falling straight down for now. But, um. Can hear it a little, but it's not, it's not, it's nothing. Because I could shut these right here. You stay comfortable. Okay. (laughs) Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, just, it did seem a little odd um, that she would not get it in time for, the championships because she posted that like weeks ago. I don't see how how that would take that long. But does does, does anyone talk about this or is it just like hush hush? No one wants to say anything. They talk. It's well now they talk about it, especially okay. since the Salazar ban. But let's just clarify something Bracken said, and that is like like execs at Nike weren't promoting or knew this was going on. It was the coaching staff. Did it? You think they did, Bracken? Oh yeah. Oh, Bracken's, you, you do, you Bracken's do. calling people out here. <laughs> you think it went beyond the coaching and the doctor? 100%. Yeah. Like guy who's like CFO? Oh, I don't know about certain C and E level employees, but it, it would be impossible for it not to have at some level had Nike involved. For sure. Absolutely. I, I don't want to get conspiracy theorist on, on everything because I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck and pays a million dollars a year to USATF to be the title sponsor of everything and have their hand in who gets allowed in and out, then it's a duck. It's a really rich, insidious duck. Or a, a goose. Could be a goose. Could be. Disguised. Could be. Well, it's Oregon, so probably a duck. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pivot. I'm pivoting before pivot. we go too far down, too far into the rabbit hole. Can I pivot? Yeah. Uh, so, so let's talk about uh, you being a struggle runner. Um, which is what I'm most excited to talk about, actually. So, uh, getting into this, walk, walk us through. Walk us through this. I mean, maybe you knew you were going to be the epitome struggle runner when you started. Maybe you had aspirations of someday flowing down the street, making it feel <laughs> effortless. I don't know. 
Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the real life struggles of introducing a run program to somebody who has not been a runner. Like, Mm -hmm. I know we could probably go through your timeline on social media and probably learn, Mm -hmm. but I think uh, we have a whole sector of new runners that reach out to us. And a lot of things, a lot of times what we talk about is over their heads. Mm -hmm. We try to make it relatable to everybody, but we only can look at things through our eyes and our eyes are now jaded, right? So uh, we can't look at things through your eyes. So Um, let's talk about those struggles, especially in the beginning. Yeah. So the beginning, um, I, when I started, I don't think, um, I, I had aspirations to be like, especially anyone on social media. That was out of the question for me. Like you weren't like, how, what is the fastest route to a blue check mark? Right, right. It's running. I like didn't even know a blue check mark existed for people other than like, celebrities wait you legitimately had no aims at making a splash right because um i i consume social social media there's never been anyone like me so there i had no no one to compare like hey i could do that so it it, it, that was completely out of the question you didn't see a vacuum waiting to be filled no, not until that first one went viral. And I was like, whoa, people need more of this content. Like the stuff I, so when I was working, I'm, I realized not until I was like 35, but um, I realized I need some form of creativity, whether it's writing um, or making videos, um, things like that. So I would film my day. And I would edit it into a video and I would like send it to my mom or my friends. <laughs> like that's what I used to do for that like creative outlet. And I would, it would be a horrible, crappy day. Um, I probably cried at least once and I would just edit it in a funny way. And then I would watch it and be like, send it to people and be like, oh, look how funny this was my day. Um, so I was making videos like before I even posted on TikTok. Um, just not with the intent of like, hey, I want to be a running content creator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was more of like, hey, I need to make myself laugh. And um, I think my friends could use some comedic relief. Um, so I think when when you said maybe I had aspirations to run effortlessly, 100% I did. Um, when I started... Like when I was getting ready, gearing up for that first day, I literally envisioned myself a year from then effortlessly gliding over the road, running up hills, barely sweating, maybe needing a little drinky poo after the run, but not during the run. Like I just thought I was going to be amazing. Um, so yeah, definitely not like a social media thing, but definitely as, as aspiring to be... Did you hear that? A little bit of rain, huh? <laughs> Legit. Wow. <laughs> Legitness. Um, yeah, definitely thought that I would be effortlessly running. Like the other runners that I was seeing on social media, like when when I would go on to be like how like Google how to run or running form or running shoes, I would just see these people, yeah, not even like huffing and puffing. Um so when I started that first 30 days, I couldn't breathe. My shins hurt. My feet hurt. I couldn't find a supportive bra. Not like you guys can understand that, but that, yeah, so that, that was an issue. Um, and 
those honestly they felt overwhelming because what do you do when you have an issue you google it and then what do you get your knees have cancer like <laughs> that, so it's it's not helpful or you get you know 20 different coaches saying 20 different things on their youtube videos or um things like that so that's when like pretty early on after i started running and really having a, a tough time like i wanted to quit probably every day um my friend at the time we were like kind of acquaintances but i knew that she coached um beginner runners like she's uh she was uh, in track and all that stuff. And um, she actually reached out when I said I want to run a marathon, even though I couldn't run a mile. And she was like, please don't try and, like, print out a PDF plan. Like, let me actually help you. You can have one, sor like, one source of information and you won't be get overwhelmed. And that's who I still follow <laughs> to this day. Um she does my run programs and um yeah everything else that's why i always talk about coach alicia um she got me out of that like cycle of oh i don't know what i'm doing okay i'm gonna google it oh i have cancer and then you don't have an answer so that was i think the biggest struggle for me was the pain and the cluelessness pain so um for example like shin splints mm. i know a lot of people get those um, but like I mentioned before, my shoes had holes in them. There was no cushion left. They were Brooks ghosts from like five years before, you know, I just had like, oh, these are sneakers I can walk around in or something. Five years later, I try running in them and they have holes in them and no cushion left. So no wonder I have those shoes. I'm heel striking and, um, I'm wondering why I have shin splints. Honestly, it felt like they were fractured. It felt like my, I, they, cause I've fractured my elbow before playing soccer and that's what my shins felt like. So that's, and then I'm not going to go to a doctor or a PT cause I don't identify myself as a runner. Well, what do I have? What business do I have going to a physical therapy for running injury? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. There's just all these things that spiral in your head. You guys are looking at me with like blank stares because you know all this stuff. I think you've known for no, so long. No, this isn't a blank stare. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm hearing you through all of the novice athletes I've ever worked with. Okay. This yeah. is the start. And I coached high school track and cross country before I got into anything else. Yeah. This is week one of every new runner. Yeah, you've heard all of this. That's Those are the mm -hmm. stares that you're giving me. No, this is listening intently. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think, um, but what goes along with those, like the, the pain and everything is then, okay, obviously I learned you can't run with those shoes. Well, now what shoes do I get? That's a whole nother rabbit hole. Um, okay, go get fitted for shoes. Well, how do you know that the running shoe store isn't um, in one of those brands pockets and they're gonna be pushing a certain mm -hmm. brand that might not be best for my foot? It took me uh, like almost three years to um, my husband listens to a lot of dude, bro, guy, man podcasts. And they were talking about, oh, Nick Bear was his name, I think. Mm -hmm. He had a, the barefoot running guy on. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about the importance of your toes having room in your shoes. And um, this is when I was already wearing ultras. And I was like, yes. 
I'm doing something right. Even if it's not ultras, I, I know I had a feeling that my toes needed more room, whether I need extra wide in like Saucony's or whatever. The zero drop thing, I don't think really affected me because I run very far forward on my foot. Mm-hmm. Does that even make sense or is that in my head? That makes sense. Yep. Right, right. Because yep. yeah. I was, my coach was saying like, oh, just let's like strengthen your calves a lot. Make sure they're really solid. So when you transition to those, you won't feel it as much. Um, but I didn't feel it at all because I never used the drop on my other shoes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do see, I'm obsessed with watching people run now. Like I will slow down videos of a, of a random runner in a race and watch how their shoot their feet land and a lot of them are maybe like toward the end of a race using like the back of their foot more i noticed but i run so slow that i run my whole marathon i'm still running on the like ball uh, or my midfoot hmm. i think i was just blabbering that whole time i don't even know what i was talking about <laughs> Well, no, I asked about the struggles okay. of the beginning, and you were you were elaborating on on that whole shoot that thing oh, yeah, just lost not, in the weeds. Yes, just the uh, excessive information out there and not knowing what to listen to. There's way too much out there yeah. now. But you mentioned one thing, um, and you just kind of glossed over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't you didn't elaborate on it, and that was um, I wanted to quit every day. Yes. You said, I wanted to quit every day. Yeah, and you know why, what? Why didn't you? Why okay. didn't you quit? Yeah, I will tell you why I didn't quit. Um, so I am a person that quits everything. Like, I've tried, um, you know, even when I was younger, like, I was in Girl Scouts for, like, two weeks. If it's not immediately something I'm good at or I like, I don't do it. Um, even though it could be something that's good for me, you know? Um so by the time I'm like in my 30s, I'm really sick of being that person. If you can imagine like the amount of stuff that I quit, um, yeah. it starts to be like defeating. And and at this point, it's like, okay, well, what is driving me to quit? My widow shin hurt. Like, no, get over it. Figure out why they hurt. This is obviously good for your brain in some way. So figure it out and keep going. Um, and honestly, just the fact of, being that I was someone that quits all the time is what prevented me from quitting. Um, Cause I knew if I just kept with it, I could figure it out or somebody could figure it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you described getting into it and you said, Oh, you're just looking at me with this blank stare. And I'm just talking about <laughs> what I was thinking about was my transition from college to post-collegiate because I had just spent four years in high school, five years in college wearing mm-hmm. the shoe the coach told me to wear and that the team was sponsored by. And we received a trainer, a mm-hmm. lightweight trainer, and a spike. And when we ripped one of them, we just took a new one. You know, wow. I didn't have a yeah. say in any of those things really yeah. for a long time. And when I finished college, there is no market for a mediocre middle distance runner. Right. Like how many road races have an 800-meter dash or a, or a one-mile <laughs> rarely right. have that one mile and if it is it's usually for the pros like there was yeah. no market and i found the trails and then i found obstacle course racing and mountain racing but i realized mm-hmm. for the first time in my life gear technique other strategy how to train for it matters and no one's telling me how to do it and so i googled it right what are the best trail running shoes what are the best running underwear because i mm-hmm. couldn't stand the way that i never had to worry about it because i never raced longer than four minutes prior to this. Yeah. So oh, in, wow. And all I got 
where these useless it'd be like runner's world top 10 lists or yeah what would it be sponsor like, and you know they're paying to be on the list they have to right yeah and i and so early on i must have bought 50 pairs of shoes in the first two years and 15 pairs of underwear and 20 pairs of trail socks oh and gosh, 15 yeah. different hydration belts because I needed something to for trail races mm-hmm. and they were so terrible. And then eventually I'd find one thing that worked for my <laughs> out family. of all that. So anyway, I'm kind of on the podcast here. One of my like things that <laughs> my personality quirks that has become apparent is I'm a tech in a shoe and I'm a schemer. That's like what mm-hmm. I know about but it really was because I had so many unanswered questions when I started that I researched it for so long that I finally just knew more than a lot of the people around me. Right. And then you know how that is. Like you didn't set out to create content, but once people thought, hey, you're good at content, let's create more. Yeah. I realized yeah. I know a decent amount about shoes and tech because I've tested a bunch. I'm going to test some more. Yeah. That blank stare was going back to that's exactly how I felt trying to run mountains in crappy underwear and these big tippy Solomon shoes that they were on every best of list said this is the best off-road trail racing shoe. Yeah. And it wasn't. And having to look around like I have a race coming up and I have, I still, $500 later, I still have no idea what I'm going to wear, eat, drink, and carry. Yeah. That's, that's so... Um, I, I run across the same things when I was looking for that information. Exactly what you said. Um, even if you don't search, like, what's the best fill in the blank? Mm-hmm. Even if you're, like, shoes for uh, running shoes for wide feet, mm-hmm. you will come up, like you said, with the top five lists that the brands pay to be on there. You're obviously going to find Brooks on there. You're obviously, you know, all those top shoe companies. There's shoe companies I never heard of. Um, I'm not saying Brooks is bad or like any other shoe brand is bad, but why aren't we hearing about other shoes like Ultra or I never even knew about On. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't tried On, but when I went to the running event um, in Austin, I think that was in like November or something, mm-hmm. I was seeing like all these brands, all these shoes I never even heard of or saw or anything, even in like the running shoe stores. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, why is that? Like, I want to try all of these, which is why you see me in like a new brand of shoe almost like every couple months, because I'll know like, oh, I like this shoe. I'm going to keep that. Now I know I like it. Now I'm going to try this shoe. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's very time consuming, but also like addicting in a way, because you're constantly finding <laughs> something that works better than what you had before. Yeah. For example, whenever someone is like you, but different from you, where they say, I need more room for my feet, for my toes, Mm -hmm. but zero drop wrecks my legs. Mm -hmm. Usually I say, have you tried Topo? Yes, I've heard of Topo. I haven't tried those though. Topo has wide anatomical shaped footbeds, but they have Mm -hmm. a little bit of drop. And people yeah, say, oh, I've never okay. even, is that a real brand? We had someone message the podcast this week that said, is Topo a legit brand? Oh, wow. Could I try yeah. it? But do they ever come up in best shoes for people with wide nope. feet? No, you get like New Balance has triple E. Yeah. Well, that's great, but. It's a dad's walking shoe. They don't sell the running shoes in extra wide, yeah. um, not in women's. And and maybe you guys would know if this is true. Somebody at a shoe um brand i'm not gonna say which what the brand is but so i went to a brand of shoe store and um, got my feet scanned 
And they were like, yep, you do have wide feet, which I knew that was obvious to me at this point. I'm like trying to shove my feet and everything. Um, and I said, why, why is it, um, do they not make a lot of wide shoes like for women, especially because just it's kind of weird to have wide feet, like do not a lot of people have them? And she said, 50% of the people they scan have wide feet, but they do not buy the, buy the wide shoes. It, do, do you think that's true? Like 50% of people actually have wide feet? Probably more. I'd buy it. Yeah. More. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, can't they like share that to shoe companies and say, hey, those really cool prints that everyone wants to buy, let's not have them shove their five toes into a two inch box so that they can have the leopard print pink shoe. Yeah. Make it in wide. It's got to be your next mission on your page. I think they would sell. I think they would sell. Well, it would. And I think that they have to get away from their own stigma, which is wide shoes are dad shoes. Yes. Because they know if we just make them pretty, we don't have to change the form of the last in our factory. So if we yeah. make them fit pretty, people will fit into them. They'll jam their feet. They'll buy an extra size long, which drives me nuts when people say, oh, just buy a half size up. I can't do that. That doesn't change the anatomy of your foot. Right. But they know if they advertise as we make wide shoes, people think clown shoes or dad shoes. So yeah. they have to kind of lead the way. The, the customer can demand it. But if the shoe company doesn't want to start, I don't think they're going. Now, some brands do. Some brands yeah. make the same men's shoes as women. It's the same. They just mm -hmm. change the color. Other, yeah. Others make theirs narrower for women because women, the, there's a study that showed a higher percentage have narrower, longer feet, which screws over wide-footed women even more. So right, right. the brands, I think, have to lead the way, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm starting a petition to hurry up Molly Seidel's um, form signing and, uh, and also to for brands to make wide, nice-looking shoes. Those are my two petitions. Because nice-looking matters. I think it does. It makes you excited to get out there. I want to have a nice running outfit of the day pose with good um, shoes that I feel like I like how they look with my outfit. Yeah. These big running companies, the ones that are really successful, I guess the problem is that they're still selling shoes, right? And these right. companies like Topo, like Ultra, are way behind as far as volume goes. So it's like, well, they're always looking at their bottom line probably, and they're selling shoes, and the masses – don't know well enough that this shoe is crap for them. They just go, oh, that guy told me to buy it, and that's how shoes feel, and I'm stuck with it. And that's 95% of runners probably, right? You're actually diving in a lot further than most. And so they're being reinforced with their shoe uh, design choices because they're still mm -hmm. being purchased. That's very true. So why would they change? And then people get, you know, plantar fasciitis, and then they're Googling why they have that, and then they're going to, like, roll out their feet and go to PT and – spend all this money when they could just get shoes that work. <laughs> mm -hmm. But when you don't have the knowledge, where do you even start? Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the whole thing. And that's like, I, I would, uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted to quit. I didn't have the knowledge, especially on what would work for me. I could Google what works for most people. What does that do me? But when I get overwhelmed, that's when I quit. And I was feeling overwhelmed. So that was one of my, like, um, to go back to that question, that was one of my things. Well, what, uh, let's tell us then, uh, other than your own trial and error and probably mostly failures, if you're anything like us over mm -hmm. the years, uh, what have been the best resources to help you decipher 
what the heck's going on. Like, obviously, Dr. Google is uh, a spider web of oh, answers that leads you nowhere typically. Yeah. So where have you found, like, as a new runner, have you narrowed your scope as far as, like, what resources are best? Best use of time? Yeah, well, honestly, tri trial and error was a lot for me. But as my audience grew, there would be someone that would comment, um, oh, try a shoe with a natural toe box or, hey, have you followed so-and-so? Um, I find that I tend to stick with um, like Coach Alicia in terms of information just because it's worked for me so far. And it's so specific to beginner runners that I, it, just, it just works in terms of like injury prevention and all that stuff. Um, but I do listen to, um, podcast clips that like my husband will send me. That's how I found out about like the importance of toes in running. Um, like now I found your guys's podcast. So you're talking specifically about this stuff. So like I would add that to my arsenal. And so over time, I just kind of like bring in these tidbits of information that guides my next thing that I'm going to try, for example. Um, like I tried compression things is a whole nother thing. I was having calf issues, um, not realizing that it was my shoes. So I'm like <laughs> trying to all these um, compression sleeve things on my calves and my Achilles and um, yeah, just real trial and error. But I have like this privilege of being able to try, I would say like 70, like 60 to 70% of the stuff for free. So I feel like I have to show that, like even when I'm, it, a lot of it's not sponsored, but I do get the product for free. I feel like I have to show that because some of it's big fails and that's gonna save someone else $70 or $150 um, that they probably don't need to buy it. Or if it fails for me, they're gonna be like, well, I don't have really um, like big thighs or something. I think those shorts are cute, I'm gonna buy them. So even if it's a fail for me, it's a win for them. But if I'm getting it for free, I'm showing it because I could save someone else the money. You know what I mean? We do, I think once a year, our best gear, best shoes, gear. We'll break down cold weather, hot weather. We live in the Midwest, so we deal with winter running. Oh, shoes yeah. for every distance, every terrain that we like. And we always drive home the fact that it works for us here's why it works for us don't buy yes. it because we said it yes. but we constantly after those episodes have women reach out and say it's great what you do but it does not relate to me whatsoever okay i guess now is not the time to do it but and we can even cut this little part out but uh are you interested potentially in coming back in the future and doing a here's what I believe to be the best or worst and why to, oh, yeah. to balance out our, our perspective. I would totally do that. I, I think um, I've tried so many brands and this goes even into like, I don't know how your, your stomachs are. I have a very sensitive stomach. Same. So I, um, mm -hmm. I'll drink Gatorade uh, like in a marathon cause I have to, but it literally just sloshes around in my stomach for like a solid 20 minutes to a half hour. And I'm just trying to keep it in there. Mm -hmm. um, when I run, I have to I have to use liquid IV or something that will absorb faster. 
um, and like certain um, uh, like goo and the different um, gels I cannot have because my stomach's super sensitive but I know certain goos will work so like even if there's people like that like that do have a sensitive stomach um, I could be like hey these work for me in terms of shoes 100% know what works for me and what doesn't work I also heard um, I heard that they actually man um, design and manufacture the foam in their shoes to like be really super comfortable and good when you try them on and then run a few times but then it breaks down like almost immediately is that true that's how I felt about ASIC since the time I first wore <laughs> really their, their shoes so but that's just anecdotal yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it could be intentional and it could be their R&D. Uh the foams are so dependent on how they're it's called tuned. Uh-huh. How they're infusing it with gases. And oh, okay. some are very firm and last forever and break mm-hmm. in nicely and some mm-hmm. are super plush and soft and compress very fast. Oh. And the more R&D you have, the more you can get one that will feel better longer. It's like finding that balance. I so see. maybe they do it intentionally and maybe it's just a byproduct of having a smaller R&D department. Smaller R&D cuz their so, marketing is freaking huge. <laughs> <laughs> like so they're allocating resources. Do you guys go to those running things like um uh those, like those expos <laughs> last year we were supposed to be at the running event and we didn't make it oh why not i would have seen you not like we would have known each other but it was a we timing thing we, we would have been ships passing in the night but maybe this year yeah okay so it, there is some validity to the foam thing yeah. whether it's intentional or not people need to hear this well, hey, listen, I had an athlete this morning. We had this exact same conversation. And I said, oh, you got a new pair of Hoka Cliftons. I see those are sweet. And she's like, yeah, they're super cute, aren't they? And she's like, it's funny. I went into the running shoe store and I said, just give me another pair of these. I really like these. And they brought out a new pair of Cliftons. And she goes, that's not the shoe. Look at how much shorter the stack height is and the heel is. And he goes, no, that's because you've worn them down that much and you've compressed the foam that much. She's like, there was like a half inch difference. Oh, So wow. some shoes I think are built in just like that. And she showed me, I was like, oh my God, I've never realized that with my Hoka Clifton's before. Yeah. So I think it's it can be dependent on models, right? So this is a non-partial mm-hmm. conversation. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like, so I started in Brooks Ghosts and I ran in them for like a year. Um, and I then I tried like every other sh- almost every other shoe that I came across. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooks, um, their run bras, I feel like whatever R&D they have for those is like top notch because <laughs> you try any, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot more. Like I have New Balance that I really like, but the Brooks, it's like this material that is soft. It's almost like rubber though, but it breathes and it's weird, but it works <laughs> and it like doesn't shape. But so, yeah, I mean, imagine maybe some companies have all their R&D into their run bras and not the shoe foam. Who knows? But it's very interesting. Have you ever used the Lulu, the Lululemon Tata Tamer? I haven't. Have you ever used the Tata Tamer? Is that like a $500? Probably is, but I send all my big chested women over to the Tata Tamer and they well, seem satisfied. Man, that's I'm... all my input is, though. <laughs> that's where it stops. Well, I actually never heard of the Tata Tamer. I'm going to Google it right now and probably order it. Um, and do a review. <laughs> uh, how much do I owe you? Uh, it's actually $68. That's not, that's like their shorts. Okay. okay. Listen, 
By the way, talking about shoes, I just need you to know something about Bracken, Aaron. If you okay. keep bringing shoes back into the conversation, that's all we're going to talk about until this podcast is over. No more so shoes. So you need to be careful around Bracken. No, I'm not saying no more <laughs> shoes. I'm just saying know what you're, know what you're getting yourself into. I you're should know because, yeah, look at his wall. Exactly. This is just, this could be anything. Okay. It's just happenstance that these happen to be up there. Okay. Here, I, I wanted to go in this direction. We... Just to show the dichotomy between sometimes what we veer towards and what we need to sometimes be about, we okay. put up our six golden rules for training, for endurance training this week. Okay. But it's based around training, not exercising. One in doubt, build your engine. Never fully abandon speed work. Volume is volume. You must recover. Train to the test, the 120% rule. Some of those need explanations, some don't. But the fact is, those are all super specific to people trying to improve and get better. I mentioned my wife's episode earlier. She follows maybe half of rule number four, and that is it. She completely discards. What was rule number four? You must recover. Oh, yes. That's the only one she even pays lip service to. The rest she totally disregards. What's the 120% rule? Uh, you need to be prepared for greater than the demand of what your race is going to present. Okay, that makes sense. That's for people who care about training. To, like you said, I don't care about preparing for a BQ because I don't even want to put in what's going to be required. I don't want to go to that place. Yeah, I don't want to put the pressure on myself. Right. So yeah. for someone who doesn't want a training goal and you know we don't want progressive periodization, we don't want anything that's going to just start putting boxes and walls around our workouts when Mm -hmm. mental health happiness and yeah let's have some fitness along the way is do you have your own subset or your own kind of like your 10 commandments what what do you follow and for the people that probably roll their eyes when we start talking about lactate threshold and training zones what Mm -hmm. are your golden rules of running for health and happiness Uh, Yeah, I would say my golden rules are just like consistency is key um, and just show up for yourself. Like um, I know for so for my um, I think it was after the New York City Marathon. I made this video. um, I put it on YouTube. It's very short. And I ended up putting it like shortening it more for other socials. But um, it's a, a clip of myself from the very first time I tried running. Um, I remember taking this like clunky camera out and I'm like, I'm just going to video myself and I'm probably not going to put it anywhere, but I need to see not a difference in my body, but a difference in my, myself, like my attitude, my, I don't know, happiness or something. And I went back, I looked at that clip and I, Oh my God, it was like painful. And I'm like, you know what? I'm putting that in this like summary video. And I said, um, it was like, do you ever, I can't remember the exact words, but like, do you ever get so tired of yourself that you can't, I, I forget, like you can't, you're just so sick of yourself or something like that, that you have to do something about it. And I was like, this is my thing that I'm going to do or, or something like that. And Um, I overlaid that with, um, the really difficult runs, like running through snow, running through the rain, so much crying. The amount of times I have cried on camera, whether it's happy tears after like a 15 mile run or like really defeated sad tears, like 
Um, I have to run this run, this marathon virtually, and I can't even have my friends or family there. Um, is is astounding. Like I could ha- fill a whole video of just crying, but um, I say all this because at the end of it, I say it's you will be amazed what happens when you show up for yourself, and part of that is consistency. So like you don't want to get out the door. Um, you have a really crappy day or you know it's uh, raining outside like right now I don't want to you know set out for a run I'm nice and dry in here Um, but just knowing that if you consistently show up it has to be for yourself it cannot be for anyone else Um, in a like a year from now even three months from now you'll look back and be like oh my gosh all that stuff that I ran through um, you know, like my car broke down, my kid had to get picked up from school cause they were sick. Then we're in the hospital. Then we're this. And I still ran that day, even like down the block. That is so rewarding. And I, it's like, it can't not be life changing to somebody who mm-hmm. is not doing it now. Like it will change your life just because you can be proud of yourself from some, for something. And you're not relying on anyone else to be proud of you for it, just yourself. So it's like, it, I, my life did a 180 when I started um, just kind of grasping that mindset. That's a phrase I never truly understood. Which one? Show up for yourself. Kirk, you use this. Just show up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hear this a lot, show up for yourself. And I think a lot of people, it means different things to them. So out of my own curiosity, in case there's anyone else like me, I want to hear both of you explain your definition of what does show up for yourself mean and look like? Mine definitely means um, kind of like I mentioned with in terms of not um, doing it to lose weight to look good to somebody else or not doing it to show that coach who said you couldn't do it. And not doing it to show your mom that you can run a marathon. Like, get all of them out. Who cares? Their opinions don't exist. What matters is yourself. And I feel like definitely this really goes back to, like, I think this applies to a lot of moms. I would literally say 99.9% of moms. We never do anything for ourselves. It is constantly get this water for this kid, get them to practice, get this for your husband. Oh, this friend would really like this. And we're so consumed by doing all of that. We're just getting our bare necessities down. Like, yes, I brush my teeth twice a day. Awesome day. Um, like sometimes it is deduced to that, especially with young kids. And, um, we're so used to doing things because of other people's expectations doing things because of society's expectations and doing things um, to make someone else think a certain thing of us. What, where the power really comes in to me is doing it because I need to prove it to myself. I need to see that I can not quit something in my life or that I can value my own mental health enough to do this for myself. Um, And I think that's extremely powerful when you've gone 10 at least 10 years of always thinking about everyone else and what what they want you to do so that to me is showing up for myself it's it's literally like in the literal sense showing up like putting my shoes on and getting out the door and running for myself and that's it Hmm. 
That was really good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. It helps me. It keeps me going. What about you? Well, external motivation is fleeting. It's like putting a Band-Aid on something that needs stitches, right? It yes. doesn't last. Yeah. It doesn't do the trick. And it may work temporarily, but it doesn't fix the real problem. And eventually you're going to be stripped down to that no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and showing up for yourself, in my word, I can just describe it in one word. Selfish. Like, be selfish. Yeah. Um, when you realize that when your needs are met, everybody else gets a better version of you. It's all you need to say right there. Like showing up for yourself means you're going to show up better for everybody else. That's so true. And so it's, uh, I take care of my needs and that means everybody else's needs are taken care of better. And for me, uh, if I never compete again, I run for my mental health and anxiety in particular. And so I know that if I want to have a level-headed conversation or a good podcast recording or uh, a decent conversation with my girlfriend over dinner, uh, where I'm not mm-hmm. agitated, that means that things need to happen <laughs> during the day before that. And that also, and that, and that being my workout. Um, yeah. So I would just boil it down to selfish. You could say the same thing. And uh, I've said this on this podcast a number of times, but selfish has a negative connotation because the people you think of are actually assholes who are selfish. I'm talking about in an internal mm-hmm. self-love sense and that, that yeah. sort of selfish. That's what showing up for yourself is, in my opinion. Yeah, thinking of yourself and, yeah, for that for that benefit, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're smirking over there, Bracken. Yeah, I'm feeling very exposed here. <laughs> it's highlighting two very interesting ways that I'm the opposite here in that I feel like I have been entirely externally motivated my entire life. And when when people say show up for yourself, I'm like, yeah, damn right, show up for yourself. But in my <laughs> mind, it's show up in your corner. Like your coach said that we're going to beat them and I'm here for it today in this workout and we're going to start proving them wrong. I'm showing up for you, Bracken, so that we can build the fitness to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was under the impression of like we're showing up in mass for ourselves against whatever <laughs> that one thing is. Mm-hmm. And that's really funny to hear you both echo the exact opposite of what I always assume people intended <laughs> by that. I thought it was oh, show wow. for in support of yourself rather than only for the motivations and goals of yourself. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, I mean, for me, at least it's the opposite. And it, I, I think a lot of other people as well, but whatever, I honestly, it comes down to whatever works for you because, but I do agree with what you said earlier is external motivation will fade. So that's, I think the faster you can find your why and go back to why you started like on that one day that's what's going to keep you going some people might not even need something to keep them going they just keep going they're like it's never in their mind to quit running i don't really know i think about it all the time not so much anymore but in that first month or first year even i was like screw this why do i and people in the comments would be like why do you do it (laughs) Well, if it's that hard and you're that miserable, why do you do it? But what I wasn't showing is me after those runs when I'm having the best day despite the chaos around me um, because I got that run in. So I think they weren't seeing. They're like, this lady's crazy. She's like literally running up a hill, almost throwing up because it's so hard and, you know, posting this. Well, why did she do it then? But, yeah, I was leaving out that quite big um explanation (laughs) which i think is the most endearing part about you or people like yourself on social media Mm -hmm. because we all constantly are bombarded with 
the guy who's just absolutely shirtless flexing in the gym and looks stunning all the time. Then you see him in real life and he's got a dad bod. Right. Or yeah. the couple who is just so affectionate and they're always doing these greatest dinner date nights or vacations. They're always dressed great. And then four weeks later, they're divorced. Yeah. It, it's not that there's anything wrong with the guy having a dad bod or a couple not working out. It's that the mm-hmm. wool was pulled over our eyes. Yeah. I'm going to show you something that's not real in order to bring something to myself. And you mm-hmm. know that you have to approach social media with whatever I see, I know I've got to reduce it down by a factor of two to three. Yeah. And then I know the truth is somewhere in there. Where yeah. yours is the inverse. Mm-hmm. All we see is the funny, the illogical, the bad runs, <laughs> the hot mess. And we know that it can't always be like that. At right. worst, it's better than that to some yeah. extent. Yeah. And that's that's actually the part I like. It sounds like mm-hmm. some people might have been confused by it, but you know that yeah. at the worst, that is the worst. It Rather is the than worst, I wonder yeah. how bad that person truly feels in between their tips. Right. I'm talking about like I had to pee, now I don't, and I don't know if I peed or it absorbed back into my body. Like that is 100% a thought <laughs> that I have and I I will just say it. Mm-hmm. Um but a lot of that comes from me desperately trying to find that content on social media. I was so sick of the polished um, mom life, fitness life, like all that stuff. I'm like, I, that's not me. I need to see myself in somebody. And I would search like relatable running, funny running, comedic running, like, and I just, nothing would come up. Um, and so I'm like, I'm just going to do it myself. What's the worst that happens? I probably meet a couple friends Mm-hmm. That like, you know, virtual friends that um, we could commiserate. Um, so I, that's why I feel like I didn't have anything to lose posting that. The, the pee gets absorbed back into your body. It does get absorbed. I'm basing that on nothing. I mean, that's what you tell yourself. I'll tell you what, I've had to pee at start lines before and I even tried I've tried to pee a little, right? And hope nobody sees and I'm like, damn it, I just can't do it. Yeah. And then I'm like... And then I get done with a race and a barely a dribble comes out and it's like maple syrup. And I'm like, I know for a fact you I would have peed more yourself. if I could have peed right at the start line. Yes. And I know for a fact I didn't piss myself. Okay. Where did that go? See? It went back into my body. It has And to. I could be physiologically wrong, but I've had that happen a number of times now where I'm like, I know I would have peed more than that to start the race and I peed less afterwards. And the, the, the sticker Facts. is, you know, you did not pee yourself. I don't know that. So the fact that you know you didn't pee yourself <laughs> and... It, you didn't have to pee afterward. That shows scientifically 100% proven double-blind placebo study that it pee <laughs> reabsorbs into your body. <laughs> it's been peer-reviewed. You know, yes. I don't think guys struggle with having to pee on runs or, or accidentally pee on runs, uh-huh. but we deal with sharts. And oh, I think that's the other side of the coin. That's universal. That's universal, yeah. It is. But just like you said, guys don't have to worry about how their chest bounces. We have to worry about running briefs. Right. I think because guys are so used to, if you feel gas, let's rip this thing out and it's going to be funny. <laughs> Whereas girls are a little less likely to do that. That's uh-huh. the one that catches you on a run. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen pictures of people finishing their races mm-hmm. um, with like poo down their legs. Yeah. Because they, they're probably in first, honestly, and they're like, if I pull over to poop, I'm going to be third. I'd probably crap myself, too, if I could win a race. <laughs> I've never done it in a race. It's always like trying to be a jokester on a run. And oh, okay. You can't guess wrong. You're made for the ultra world. You could just 
never picked. You know, I've I have had someone in my DMs trying uh, to convince me to run a um, hundred miles, like not a specific one. But I just like, no. And then they were pushing 50 miles. And I'm like, no, I run 26.2. Um, and that's it. I, I'll run 26.3 and say I did an ultra, I guess. Which technically <laughs> true. I will say this. As someone who could not stand running and long runs, mm-hmm. even like 50K, like that 30 miles on the trail, is way more mentally and physically manageable than a road marathon. Really? I agree. I'm not trying to push you to it because I'm not a run pusher. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it is, instead of running 26.2 miles of hard impact metronome style, you get to change things up constantly. Okay. I will say I could do 30 miles. I would do a 50K. Yeah. And I only say that because um, in the New York City Marathon, I tweaked my foot at like uh, mile 10 because I was taking selfies with people. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I just got so excited and it went up into my knee and then the outside of my hip. Mm. And I was like, you know what? It was mile, maybe like 18 or 20. I took an leave. I don't know if that's cheating, but um, I felt great. And I finished that, and I'm like, I think I could run more miles than that. Um, that may not have been an leave. <laughs> right. It might not have been. It was from somebody's fanny pack. It was great. I had so many snacks. <laughs> didn't uh, didn't the Golden Trail Series outlaw ibuprofen now? Yeah, I think so. Isn't it the Golden Trail really? Series? Oh. For the pros. For the pros. Okay. Very interesting. That's a, f- a fringe drug now. That's wild. You're an ibuprofen popper, right, Kirk? Uh, I have on race days, yeah. yeah. I like Especially ibuprofen. when I've dealt, dealt with shin issues and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not good for your gut, but Well, uh, it I'm starting a petition to redact the Aleve and the ibuprofen race results. Have them stricken from history. Hey, I'm good with that. <laughs> no one will see my five and a half, six-hour marathon times. Then they're staying. <laughs> <laughs> you're not drug tested when you cross the finish line as an influencer <laughs> they're like how have you been running for six hours <laughs> what are you on <laughs> how can you physically run that slow <laughs> running slow is a talent yeah mm-hmm. um you guys are coaches i think there should be more content about um slow run form because as a beginner, if you are looking on a YouTube video, how to run, their, their, their slow form is eight minutes per mile. Mm. I run on a long run, like 13, like 12 to 13 minutes per mile. And I'm not going to be bending my knee like that and kicking, kicking up. Um, yeah, I think there should be more content around that. Like, what's the proper, like, for example, my coach always says I pendulum swing my foot forward. Well, what else do I do with it? You know? So I, I think we need more. I'm pushing her to make more videos like that. And you guys could maybe talk about it more on your podcast. Oh, you can't really show people on a podcast. <laughs> we, we talk it out the best we can. That'd be a great <laughs> listener Q&A episode question, actually. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked about it a bit on the recovery runs how okay if you're going slow enough to recover oftentimes people spend way more the ground contact time 
and their form kind of sags and it's a fight yeah. to run well while intentionally plotting because mm-hmm. like an elite is off the ground in a hundredth of a second right yeah 13 minute pace your your foot is going to be on the ground three times longer which means can you prong up to your forefoot <laughs> or do you have to kind of pendulum swing a little bit in order right. to mm-hmm. yeah because i you know i'm working on my posture and like i have all that i'm i work on it every run mm-hmm. um it's my feet i i even watch videos of myself like i'll um, send them to my coach and I slow it down and I look weird. But um, when I ran the Dick Sporting Goods, uh, the what Pittsburgh Half Marathon, I ran that with my coach was one and then uh, Hella Good. I don't know if you follow Hella. Um, he, he ran across the country this past summer and I think he's going to be doing Leadville. But um, he's, you know, another fast runner and Brian Mazza, he's pretty fast, and Matt Choi is fast, and they're all like, you know, run video people, and they were forced to run my pace. I sped up as much as I could, but we were all supposed to run together, and it was really interesting to watch them run next to me. I had videos of it. Their feet are picking up and looking normal. My something I'm doing looks weird. And so that's when I started sending them to my coach. I'm like, I think we need to work on this because it doesn't look normal. I don't know. Maybe it's just how I run. Do you know your cadence? I do actually. I do actually. That was my follow-up. I'm not. I'm not like a cadence. uh, What would you call it? Like dictator. You don't live and die by it. No. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good metric, but I'm not a cadence pusher. Just like I'm not a an ultra pusher. Okay, so I go on Strava, and how do I find Cadence? I know I got to it before. Oh, view analysis, yeah, there it is. Uh, Cadence 160-something. Oh, that's not terrible. That's not terrible. Like, what would terrible be? What Below 160 would be glaringly obvious. Like, you might want to work on your turnover, which would prevent you from overstriding which would cause a breaking effect so to speak but i mean i run i just looked at my last run 165 for a recovery run was my average cadence which a lot would say is slow okay just know that cadence work is very annoying and it sucks a lot to start so you have to be you definitely have to be ready to commit to something that you hate which oh, you already have you well, hate running already... and you still do it right so yeah so, so i think you're gonna be just fine oh here average cadence is 163 slow but not terrible. I would say it's on the low end of acceptable. Low end of acceptable. Okay. Which that kind of feels like a good range to, to sit in. Yeah. I mean, I I'm, I'm all for acceptable. I think that's great. Now you have me interested. <laughs> it, is pretty, it is pretty It uh, is pretty consistent, though, okay. this cadence. How about this? Go go look at your last quality workout. Whatever you did, intervals or something hard. Does it is it any different? Um, one sixty eight is one. So a little bit. Okay. Okay, a little bit. So my last long run on the trail, I averaged one sixty four. Okay. You guys are cute. <laughs> it was a long time on trail on feet, so it would probably be a little slower than you. But that's one different from you. Yeah, see, what you guys talk about, like, you were joking earlier, like, oh, people roll their eyes when we talk about, like, lactic, whatever you said. 
I, it's funny. I think that stuff is super interesting. I will listen to a whole podcast about it or I'll, you know, read an article about it, but I don't, um, push pressure myself to like meet certain things regarding that. But I think it's interesting in terms of like how our bodies work and how our bodies recover, like physiologically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is interesting to me, even though I don't like train per a specific thing. Maybe I should. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the most personal question in the world, right? <laughs> <laughs> what should I train for? Right. Yeah. I, I, I know like my happy place is like going on my little calendar, seeing, okay, today's this. And these are, you know, I try and get a little faster each time, like a progression run or today's a long run. And I don't need to think about it. And I just do my little stretchies and get my have my little recovery things that's like what i know so i think i'm comfortable there i don't know when when i would be interested enough to like move beyond that and be get into all like the sciencey stuff maybe when i have my seasonal depression in the winter and i need something else to focus on that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna listen to your podcast and then i'm gonna do little sciencey things we'd love to keep you company during that time. <laughs> we'd love to keep you company that's a question I get a lot, I feel. Maybe mm -hmm. a disproportionate amount compared to some other questions. You know, when do I know I'm ready to start taking it? And it's when you hit lulls. Yeah. And you start with the lowest hanging fruit. You don't go right yeah. in and get a VO2 max test. And, right. All right, I'm going to have this, mm. this, and this. And no, you start with one thing. Like, what's one thing? Yeah. Just increase your enthusiasm one notch. That's mm -hmm. the thing you start with. And you know when you need that because you're looking for it like when you have post-race blues do yeah. you guys get that oh yeah oh yeah we've talked about it at pretty good length on here yeah that's a thing isn't it and you guys do um like the things where you jump over stuff and throw things at times <laughs> occasionally <laughs> obstacle course racing okay. you know what's interesting about your need for content um and then i want to wrap up i got about 11 minutes and then i have to roll today okay. um but i want to get to a couple of things um interesting thing about content is like the people who take it super seriously the most serious are track athletes professional track athletes not far behind are these road inf athletes and influencers they don't really make fun of themselves too much but you want a crowd that you can relate to instantly come join the dark side on our sport go start trail running then yeah. you start seeing these parody accounts and these people who actually humanize what we do because metrics go out the window when you're on the trailer and it's like see i it's like, like now it doesn't even really matter we're just out here to have a good time and like have an experience together yeah and so like that community has a few uh, is more open and has a few more influencers that way even some top end like ultra athletes ultra trail runners have these like sage Canada if you watch his stuff brack and like he's got a bunch of like parody stuff now and top levels are doing it but you i don't i can't think of one on the road running or track scene yeah they're a so, little more so we serious. have we have your people built in over here well you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna start going through your following list and i'll follow those people that that look that look like they do account i i did go for my first trail run a couple weeks ago really um it was hilarious of course i filmed it um, but it was a lot of how do you run up the mountain? Like I, I was, you walk up it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it was just like kind of confusion on my part, but I, um, 
like my husband was watching a lot of those um, Leadville 100 YouTube videos and like, you know, all those like really long ultra running mm -hmm. uh, races. And I realized like, yeah, they do. Even the people that win them at some point, they're walking up something. Mm -hmm. You can't physically run like vertical up rocks and stuff <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. but i i did like it i think um I, I think that's something that i might gravitate to more um especially once you said the metrics are are gone out the window i really gone. like that i also love the amount of food that they eat <laughs> ultras are eating competitions yeah i i love that like i could run with a cheeseburger in my pocket or some spaghetti and people do. I thought you had a touchy gut. Well, I'll sacrifice it for that. Well, yeah, for the greater good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my touchy gut is more uh, like uh, erythritol or like the fake sweetened. That messes with me too. Oh, yeah. sugar alcohols, game over. Yep. Yeah, so that's where mine kind of comes in. I found sugar-free ice cream once, and that was the worst day of my life. Oh, no. yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I'd rather wreck my stomach on normal ice cream, just like from the dairy yeah i didn't know it was sugar-free ice cream <laughs> oh, no. Got me good. hey um okay so what i really want to get to make sure we get to before this is over mm -hmm. um is i feel like people need to follow you follow along with your journey well, your you. outfit of the day your ooted or whatever the heck it is <laughs> your pose is hilarious it's like how do i look as awkward as possible and make right. fun of everybody who takes this seriously <laughs> at the same time and you nail it and like it's just like you're innately like you're not i categorize you without knowing you at all as mm -hmm. one of those people who's like funny without trying right like i don't mm -hmm. think you, i think that's just how you are you're awkward and funny and it's amazing i spent a lot of my life getting laughed at because i didn't know that people thought i was funny so we'll put that the out best there. Kind, isn't yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. If I'm being, if I'm funny, it's only by, it's like, I'm trying to be funny. An, it's, have, a, it's an accident. <laughs> yeah. for, which is great. So what can people expect? Like help them understand. Cause it drew me in right away. What can people expect to get from you? And like what moving forward? Like, because when I think of you, I think like, oh, like it'd be really hard to balance the, uh, the realism of running. Like we want to make fun of it a little bit, but mm -hmm. also you do want to share your victories too, right? Like right. you want to humanize it in that way so it's attainable for people yes so anyways the floor yeah. is yours what can people expect what's coming up all that i think my content you can expect um 100 honesty uh if i'm having a bad day i don't put on a fake smile i'm like i don't want to go for a run i'm in a really bad mood and you're coming with me uh, that type of thing i don't pretend anything's easier or harder than it is and i do find the humor in everything um, but once I completed the New York City Marathon, that was my first in-person, like, legit marathon, um, I was super proud of myself. And I wasn't, like, hiding that fact or, like, putting that down to be funny. Um, and it's something, like, I want everyone, if they're able to do it, I want them to experience something like that. So I think there is a lot of, like, motivation that you can find in my content as well especially if you're going back and um, I have a playlist on YouTube that's called Running Like an Idiot or something. And you can see my very, 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 very first run. Like I ended up just putting it out there. Um, so to see that compared with where I am now um, and just 
knowing what I know now and everything else, I think there's motivation in that. But for the most part, it's just like human, uh, relatable, running, funny, and um, I'm trying to learn new things. So that's the journey we're on. And I'm going to run Chicago Marathon um, in October. Awesome. Yeah. A, a personal curiosity about filming everything you do and something you don't know about me. And Bracken, you probably don't know this about me actually either. And we've been through thick and thin together. Um, I have aspired to, I'm a deer hunter, as you can see behind me, and I've aspired to film my own deer hunts. And I bought cameras and camera arms and I brought them out to the field with me to document my journey from the beginning to the middle to the end. And so I have all this footage that I haven't really done anything with. But point being is, um, others in the industry did that for a while. And then they're like, I'm done. I don't want people. This is just for me now. And, and the hassle of filming the whole thing, like the amount of setup I've gone through that people don't know about, like I'm an aspiring content creator in a completely different field. Mm -hmm. And then the end of the year, I stopped doing it last year. And I was like, this is so much nicer. I'm just oh, with myself. Yeah. yeah. It's a different experience. I'm not worried about what the viewer is going to think. And nobody's seen this anyways. Yeah. So my question for you is, does it get old constantly having to do that for me it doesn't um only because i'm always by myself and i get bored very easily and when i don't have something to do my mind goes into like not great scenarios like someone's gonna jump out of the woods or you know like i can't listen to those murder mystery podcasts <laughs> for obvious reasons because of where i live but um <laughs> Yeah, so it's nice for me to have something fun to distract myself. So I love being like aggressive nature shot time and like ramming my phone into like the flowers and just making funny clips. That to me is very therapeutic. And a lot of times I film the runs, but I don't actually use it because I'll actually get into the run. And to me, that's something I never used to do. If I filmed the run, I finished the video and I posted it. Whereas now I'm like, I don't think this is going to provide much value. It's very boring to me and I don't, I'm not going to enjoy editing it and posting it. I just don't like to post things that I don't enjoy. So lately, like there have been like maybe one run a week or something like that where I just run and I don't narrate the whole thing. And I, I do enjoy that. Um, but sometimes I'm just not in the mood. Like I want to make a little film. <laughs> of my run <laughs> so it's helpful I, I just did wonder if it would ever felt like work right when at uh, the second it feels like work i don't do it so oh. but but in in all honesty look at what rigs you're trying to carry around for your hunting things and look mm -hmm. at what i'm carrying i'm literally carrying a cell phone sometimes a gopro that's it but i carry my cell phone even if i'm not going to film so I think if I had to carry, if I had like arm things and a head thing, making sure like all the, uh, you know, batteries need to be charged and stuff like that, I would not do it. There's just no way I would have even started this whole thing. Sorry, that's so loud. It's an airplane. You're like, yeah. I flew out of Allentown one time. <laughs> oh, did you? I mean, I'm actually in New Jersey right now. Oh, yeah? Um, but... Allentown is where I'm going to, you can never get a, a direct flight out of Allentown to go anywhere but Chicago. I flew to Chicago. Is that where you flew? No <laughs> way. Connected to Milwaukee. Oh, okay. Because I, I live in Wisconsin. Kirk's in Minnesota. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm actually going to fly out of Allentown to go to Chicago Marathon. Well, maybe I'll be around there that weekend. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, that would be fun. And if you guys go to any of those like run uh, show things, let me know. We could do like a live podcast or something. That would be fantastic. That would be fun. And talk about shoes. Or we could drag you to one of these events we go to already and then, you know, dip your toes into the dark, dark waters. Yeah, like what are those? We're not going to prep you for it. No, I love that. Don't prep me, but tell me where it is and, and when, and I'll go to it and just document my initial thoughts about everything. I think that would be hilarious. You should have went to Palmerton, Pennsylvania about five days ago. You would have had a real blast. Oh, was the Spartan race there? Yeah. Mm, I should have done that. Miserable. Well, Kirk, I know we're short on time, but I had one question I did want to ask her. And it doesn't have to be a super long yeah. answer. But you've probably heard the intro to our podcast, and it says, mm-hmm. from Marathon to Mud Runners, doesn't matter who you are, we all have the mm-hmm. same goal, get to the finish line faster. And we had a mm-hmm. guest last week who talked about, I I think I'm the person I don't care about ever getting to the finish line faster. There's a subset of us that don't care about that. Yes. Well, I don't buy that. I was a special ed high school teacher prior to this. And then I worked at a school for basically expulsion and pre-expulsion at risk population. Okay. Which I feel like they represent the same population, which is I do not set goals because I don't want to fail. And I have yet... Mm. And I'm not saying that's everyone, but that's that's a demon of people of if I don't set goals, I can just keep doing my thing. Yeah, low expectations. It's my motto. No, 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 I'm not saying you. A student, an athlete, anyone. I've yet to meet someone who can do a single activity consistently mm-hmm. and not grow to care about some vague, minute portion of performance. I've yet right. to meet it. Even my wife, who only runs for, for mental health, will complain if her pace was slower than she felt that day. Okay. Like at some point you do get something. So yes. I guess I just want your reaction to that. Are Is it possible to never ever care about getting faster or better in some regard? Or does it does it get everyone along the way? No, I think it gets everyone. But I would say it's 100% um, true that there are people, because I'm one of them, that will not care about how fast they finish a marathon. But I will care about how I feel over time running. I, if I run a mile and I'm dying, that's going to piss me off. Like I will, I will in my head be like, whoa, am I dehydrated? What's going on here? I should not be easy pace running a mile and really feeling like I'm not doing well, okay. like physically. So that, I think that's a form of getting better though. Like you're, I'm improving how I feel on a run and improving how easy I can run a mile. Um, but I a hundred percent think, yeah, people, I think I'm one of them. Uh, maybe in some years I might care and be like, you know, I don't really feel like running for six hours. Why don't I try and run a marathon in four and a half hours? I don't really know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that might come, but in terms of, I do feel it's important to like relate to people that genuinely don't care about pace and maybe they care more about how they feel but that's also you know a way to measure yourself measure your progress so what is the phrase then we all have the same goal what is the lowest common denominator of runners goals if it's not to get the finish line faster for everyone what do we all share get to the finish line I'm not going to lie. When I heard, when I heard your intro, I was like, yes, get to the finish line. And you said faster. And I'm like, well, 
<laughs> I did. I also had that little like, wow. She okay. stripped it down to its barest <laughs> form. Yeah, we all want to get to the finish line. But is there more? Is it get to the finish line better? Or is it just get there? You don't care. I really just want to get there. I want to um, see the sights. I want to run through a city with the street shut down. I want to um, like see funny signs and take pictures with people. Like, so to me, the finish line is all, almost like secondary in a way. Mm-hmm. I want to get to the race. <laughs> okay. You want to enjoy the journey. I want to enjoy the journey. I don't want to be injured. I want to get to the actual race, and I would just want to like see what I see what I can do. You know. So there's no point in your hill workout where you think about how fast the rep is. It's more of how did I feel compared to last time. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I if I think and and going back to what you said, you um, I might not want to set that goal or worry about that because I don't want that pressure on myself for next time. Yeah, not because I feel like I can't do it, but because I I don't want to get that level of seriousness that will make me quit because I don't feel like. It'll take the fun out of it for me, I guess. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you. I guess yeah. lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Can you cut the word faster out of our intro and see if anybody <laughs> notices? Yeah. Just for this one episode. Yeah, just Could be like, be Aaron special? <laughs> I will, actually. We all have the same goal. Get to the finish line. Yeah. Just leave it and see if anybody catches it. I don't know if that'd be a pain or not. No, I'll do that. Just get to the finish line. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. Abrupt stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where do they need to go to find you? Yes. Um... TikTok, which no one's probably on, Mrs.Space.Cadet. And on Instagram, it's I'm Mrs. Space Cadet. Excuse me. But you could just Google Aaron Azar or go to MrsSpaceCadet.com. That's probably easier. Be prepared to kill a lot of time on there, <laughs> by the way. Bro, yeah, you could go in a rabbit there, hole. So. <laughs> you know you've arrived when you can say, just Google my name. I did that the other day. That's why I, I know it works. Yeah. I Googled Aaron Azar because somebody told me there was another Aaron Azar and I Googled it and like all the things that I did are on there and there's a Wikipedia page. Do you guys know how, who makes Wikipedia pages? Anyone. Really? Mm -hmm. So somebody out there was like, I'm going to make one of Aaron Azar. Yeah. Could have been your husband. It could have been a stranger. They submit it, and then wow. the content gets reviewed by a board. Really? Yeah. That's so Don't cool. Don't Google my name. You'll like me less. Um, sh- shall we sign off, guys? That's just, I'm going to say it. Kirk was a Bachelor villain. Oh, were you? One, one time. Vilified. One time. He was not a villain. He was vilified. Which what, Were you on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette as a contestant? Were you The Bachelor? No, look at me. No, I was a contestant. Um, oh, okay. And then I and then I did a number of follow up shows like an idiot. Um, shall we <laughs> sign off, guys? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we can sign Aaron, off. Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you. That was fun. I'm gonna go play in the rain now. Go do it. Enjoy. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>